quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching, and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question, and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101, or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the first part of our full interview with Mateus Zani, where we discuss restricted currencies and markets in Latin America. In this episode, expect to learn what are restricted currencies to begin with and why do they exist, which currencies in Latin America are considered restricted and what challenges do they pose, how do these currency restrictions impact foreign investment and trade, are there notable trends or shifts in these restrictions that businesses should be aware of? And like always, much, much more. Latin America is fascinating, really, and especially when it comes to financial risk management and FX risk management activities. And we got to talk with a very expert from the region. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That would mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solutions. They use robotic process automation, RPA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free non-intrusive and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101. And with all that being said, please welcome Mateus Zani. Mateus, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, can you maybe start by explaining to us what exactly are restricted currency? What is it and why do they exist? No, for sure. No, first, uh, thank you for having me here today. It'll be a pleasure to share a bit of my experience uh, with the whole audience. Uh, regarding your question, uh, restricted currencies are foreign currencies subject to government imposed controls, pretty much. Uh, so often to manage capital flows, uh, preserve for exchange reserves of these governments, or uh, uh, this currency can be impacted by the monetary monetar policy of these governments. So pretty much it is it's, uh, actions from the government side that can impact uh, the currency value of the currency pair. So why would uh, 
why would the government, that's interesting, why would the government want to preserve the foreign exchange reserves of its country? Like what's the, what's the interest for them in doing that? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. And to answer you, uh, I will give you a couple of examples. Uh, let, let's use Latin America as, as uh, the example here because it's the purpose of this uh, interview. No? Uh, in Latin, some of the uh, some of the restricted currencies uh, include the Argentine peso, uh, Venezuelan Bolivar, and occasionally the Brazilian real. Okay, I can mention these three currencies, and the government of these countries uh, they use this kind of uh, actions or policies uh, to preserve the foreign exchange reserve. They or they want to use this to preserve the value of the currency of that country. Okay, uh, most of the time against super uh, depreciation against uh, against the dollar. Okay, so uh, or if you look at the inflation side as well, uh, the government uses this uh, these policies to try to cap the inflation uh, impacts. Uh, a good example of that. Argentina and Venezuela. Uh, Argentine peso has limited access to foreign uh, currency, most because the hyperinflation. Now, I think we can explore this uh, later in this interview. Argentina has, I think, more than 120% of inflation, which is quite a high. Uh, and in Venezuela and Bolivar, it's pretty much the same. Uh, so both, both currencies face extreme exchange rate of volatility. Uh, and the governments, né, in order to bring down this volatility né, and also to combat the, the negative impact of the inflation, they use this, uh, these actions, they use these policies to, to manage the currency value of the currency. Super clear. So if those governments wouldn't be restricting their currencies, they would be a bit open on the market, right? And if any country wants to purchase some of those, those governments would have to issue more money leading to easier inflation rates and more volatility. So it's a kind of way to mitigate that. Super interesting. So I think you mentioned two or three of them uh, without <laughs> maybe going to all the currencies in Latin America, but typically what are the big currencies in Latin America? Because indeed the idea is a bit to focus on this region. Which ones are considered restricted? And then what are the challenges that come with that? Yeah, as I mentioned, I think uh, on top of my mind, let's say Argentine peso, uh, Ecuador. Ecuador is slightly difficult because the uh, Ecuador adopted the dollar as official currency in 2000, mm -hmm. exactly to in order to stabilize uh, its economy. But uh, I think the hottest currency now that I can say that it's completely restricted currency is Argentine peso. Uh, uh, very recently, the Argentinian government uh, implemented strict controls uh, on the on the facts, and so in order to companies né, and business to access uh, this liquidity has been quite difficult. So, business that it, né, as you know, Argentina has uh, a very like large exporter background, so exporting cereals, um, cattle, and so on. So, in order to this agro business to bring converting dollars to uh, to urgency basis is quite difficult. They have limited uh, limited uh, liquidity. 
And the opposite is the same as well, that for Argentine important companies that want to to the acquisition, to the purchase of some um, some goods, it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult because they don't, they're not, they are not able to convert the the Argentine peso to US dollars. So uh, they have some limitations per per trade, limitations per week. So it's not like fully open. Yeah, you need you need to respect the regulations of the central bank of, of the country. I, I think then currently Brazil real, Mexican peso. Chilean peso, Colombian peso. I think they, we can say they are off this list. They are much more like uh, open in, in, in the FX market. You have a plenty of liquidity. The central banks, they are very solid entities in, in those countries. So you can, and they are very pro business, pro market. They don't want to put barrels um, or obstacles in the curves because they know the, the negative impact that can't can generate in their in their economy. So I think uh, for now I would stay with the Argentina peso and the Venezuela Bolivar. So this when countries have these restricted currencies, how does that affect the foreign investment market? So say I'm a corporate inside a country that um, has a restricted currency like Argentina or Ecuador, and um, how will that affect the type of investment that I'm likely to get or the trade I can do externally? That, that, that's a good question. Huh? Uh, I believe the, the international investor, uh, either uh, family office or other governments or large fund managers, they do a very strict due diligence uh, in that country, uh, the destination of the investment. They need to, they need to understand the the regulatory framework of that country. They need to understand the political risks. And, and, and right now, more and more, we are seeing that the the checkbox of currency is one of let's say one of the most important components when investing overseas in those countries. No? Because first, you can have a large depreciation. So we, you allocate your capital. But let's uh, say, uh, let's use Brazil Real as a, a good example. Let's say that you allocate your capital into a, a, a five Rials per dollar now, today. But uh, this, we know there's a long term investment. Oh, so let's say 10 years, uh, five years is a very large uh, horizon uh, to make uh, the, the gain of the capital and, and make this investment profitable. But uh, the risk is. The currency first, a depreciation of the currency against the, the dollar. So this BRL can jump from five to seven to eight. So just in this depreciation, you have like a larger uh, losses yeah, in your investment. Second, in other countries, you can put your capital in the country, but you're not able to remove this to to bring it yeah, to uh, move away of this country. Yeah. So that's very difficult. That's a, a, a very serious implications. And then all investors must must uh, to have in mind. This happened quite often, not in Latin, but I would say Africa, uh, countries such as Nigeria. Uh, we have seen that uh, a lot of businesses are struggling to to collect their dividends from the, the companies in in Nigeria, uh, or if they they plan to do some exit. They're not able to to collect the, the value of the the company that they sold. 
So there's a, a lot of implications. So these uh, managers must do a very large due diligence, very serious due diligence to that to 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 grab the big picture when investing in, in those accounts. Uh, and FX risk has been, I think, one top top three really of the concerns of these uh, international investors allocating in Latin or in general emerging markets. So from the corporate side, you need to watch out if you're sitting inside one of these restricted currency zones that um, foreign investors are less likely to come to you or have all these other considerations just due to the fact that you're operating in a current or in an economy that has that currency, right? What about the other way around? Like for someone, for a corporate inside that country that has, um, that is operating in Argentinian pesos, for example, how does that affect their business operations day to day? Like, I guess locally, it's a very different international, uh, a very different scenario versus internationally. So an Argentinian steak company, because Argentinian beef is, is super popular, um, how do they need to, what's different about their business operations versus a US steak company? Ah, they need to be mo much more sophisticated, much more creative in order to to address these uh, implications and negative implications. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, foreign quarter that need to has a, a, a liability in foreign exchange in dollar or in euro. Uh, they need to have a very good uh, planning in order to to pay this this liability. Okay? Why? Uh, because tomorrow the government can say, oh, no, uh, now have a, a limit. Uh, and all our companies of, of this country must uh, have the right only to buy 100k dollars, but your liability is 1 million dollars. How will you be able to to to, to pay this liability né? and avoid any kind of default? Né? Uh, so must be creative to have like offshore entities set up with some dollar uh, reserves, uh, be able to uh, to access. Uh, offshore liquidity, able to have a uh, relationship with different counterparts. This is another way to diversify the, your treasure uh, because you'll be able to find liquidity from different counterparts. No? This, this is one of the, the, the good strategies. But um, yeah, it's, in general, it's, it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult uh, to be able to address all the, the negative implications. Eh? Um, yeah, it's say, it's say that, and also have a very solid team that able to run more accuracy cash flows, taking consideration um, this this volatility of, of the mine on not only the currency but uh, uh, the actions of the central bank. Uh, it's, it's it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all. Yeah, we haven't seen more and more. Argentinian companies uh, trying to to escalate their businesses. Yeah? So, but in order to escalate their business, first they need to structure some offshore uh, structure to assess other markets, and and also uh, uh, able to uh, to create this bank relationship. Yeah? But uh, they struggle in the fact that because they are from Argentina, they they don't have that high quality of credit. Um, the counterparts uh, run their models in terms of credit, also penalize 
just because it's Argentina, because they, they, they are aware, uh, they are aware of the central bank uh, actions, the government action, most of in the in the top of that. So it's it's quite difficult. It's not easy. It's not like a, a country uh, like Brazil or Colombia or Mexico, um, where they are much more open. They are more transparent. Uh, the political risk is it's is still there, but uh, it's not uh, elev elevated as such as in, in Argentina, Venezuela, and, and so on. Uh, so it's it's easy it's easier to make business uh, when you have this environment uh, of lower currency risk, lower political risk, economic risk, and so on. Super clear. Is there a general trend that you see going on on restricted currencies? Like, is it across LATAM, if we focus there, um, is the situation getting quote-unquote better or worse in general? Or is it just very unique country it by country? It's very unique country by country. Uh, let's say Mexico. Mexico has generally maintained uh, a more stable currency or, or Currency environment, I'd say, over the last years, um, we have seen that they are they have a, a international policy much more uh, open and again pro 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 market, yeah? but it's essential yeah, to monitor the peso's performance as economic and political events can influence its value. Yeah? Uh, Mexico has a long history of political conflicts. Yeah? Uh, political agenda is, is not that clear, so that can can have a, a direct effect on the in the value of the Mexican peso. Né? Uh, other example, Chile. Né? Chile is the same thing, very relatively stable, but uh, fluctuations can occur due to the factors like copper prices. So when Mexican is more political, Chilean peso is more related to the commodities, so it's a commodity-linked currency that we say here. Né? Uh, so if the copper prices, né, uh, it's higher. This can help the uh, the Chilean base. And the other hand, on the other hand, see the copper price is is lower. The currency can can be seen in a position of weakening uh, against the, against the dollar. No, uh, Peru. Now uh, the currency of Peru is Provençal. So, some sometimes people think it's a Peruvian peso, but it's Peruvian sol. Uh, has experienced some volatility in the past as well, uh, mainly due to political situation in the country. Uh, and it, it's more, it's, it's not that in the past, it's recently in the last two years, we saw a lot of uh, negative implications due to the, the political environment. So it's important to business to monitor the political landscape mainly in Peru. Uh, um, Brazil, um, Brazil. Uh, in the past, I would say it was a restricted currency, but uh, nowadays uh, it isn't uh, completely uh, pretty floating. But of course, uh, still have some uh, influence by the political economic factors. I would say that the, the second one, the, com the economic factors, is a huge one. Okay, so government interventions, along with economic development. They have the, the the power to stabilize the currency or do the opposite, né? to increase the volatility of the Brazil real uh, over the time. Né? Ecuador, as I mentioned uh, previously, Ecuador adopted the, the dollar uh, as its official currency in in 2000 to stabilize its economy. 
we'll have similar discussion right now with Argentina as well. Né? Uh, some, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, the opposition uh, right now, because we have a presidential elections uh, upcoming, they're discussing how to adopt dollar as the, the, the main currency in the country. Uh, man, they have, of course, they have a lot of theory, experiencing behind of this proposal, man, mainly because uh, when, you, when you start using dollar, you may be able, may be able to address the, the high inflation uh, because in Ecuador, um, uh, Ecuador had, was very successful uh, adopting the dollar because we were able to, re to reduce the inflation, but it's, it's not true at all the times, okay? So yeah, I'd say each country has your unique uh, challenges, your unique uh, policies regarding the, the curse. Looking at it a bit from a corporate treasury and, and global um, standpoint, one of the challenges I see with those restricted currencies and where it's particularly insightful for, uh, impactful, sorry, for treasurers is when it comes to credit lines of any sort, right? Because especially big organizations who are often looking for a global banking partner for the whole region with one big revolving credit facility, for instance. In Latin America, the challenge is that you need to look at each country individually. Also, what are the capacities of the country and the bank itself when it comes to credits? Because some banks might not be able to um, provide you as a company with as much credit as you want, not because you don't have the right credit rating, but just because the currency is so restricted that they cannot issue such a big credit line. So it's an interesting it's an interesting challenge to tackle when you're in a corporate treasury. And also the interest rates vary, right, between uh, each country, making the whole credit part of an organization wanting to do business in that time much more, uh, much more intricate, which is super interesting. <laughs> so, so yeah, sorry, what's your, what's your opinion on this, Matthews? No, you are completely right. And I, uh, mainly in the interest rate. Uh, right now, we are in a period of, I'd say, almost all Latin countries are suffering with inflation, high inflation. And to address that, all the central banks start to, to hike rates. Uh, so, as a result, you have increased borrowing costs, which uh, from the, the corporate side, uh, they face a lot of challenges regarding how they can restructure their debt with a, a cheaper uh, cost, but uh, it's very difficult in such environments of high interest rates, you know. And uh, uh, one alternative to them uh, in the past was to, to ensure uh, foreign debt, mainly from uh, USD like that, but uh, now it's also expensive. Uh, offshore, you have, uh, uh, Fed rates around 5, 550, and in Europe, more or less the same situation. So, has been a very like challenging uh, market environment right now for those that depend on credit, either domestic or offshore credits.